0: For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So let's get started. Enjoy the show. So hi and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And today, a really unusual episode, one I'm really looking forward to. And in the uh, time that we've been recording this nearly 200 episodes of Resilience Unraveled, we only had two guests who have come back for a second episode. The first one was Patrick Waller, and the second one also happens to be called Patrick, and he's called Patrick Chester. So hi, Patrick. Lovely to have you back again. Russell, good to see you. Thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. Pleasure. But the interesting thing in particular, whilst Patrick by himself was interesting, no doubt about that, fascinating fascinating episode all about um, addiction and gambling and such like, which was something very different. We've got actually a real star of the show today because we have um, Patrick's wife, Erica Chester. Hi, Erica.
1: Hi, how are you? Nice to meet you.
0: And you. And what's going to be, the, well, what, what we're going to tackle in this episode is not just the fact that people have gambling and addictions and such, such like and come back from those things, but actually what happens to the family, what happens to the partner, what, who are the people who are part of the support network that save the gambler or save the person who has the addiction, um, but also the cost and the benefits and the results and the rewards. For both parties of that. So, Patrick, why why don't you just start by refreshing us a little bit of your story? And you know, uh, for those of you who hadn't heard the original episode, what 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 was what was it all about?
2: Sure, yeah, and so I, you know, I, I was a raging gambling addict for starters, as we know, and, and that started early on. You know, probably in my, you know, I would say my late twenties, I just started gambling, and that carried on and progressed. You know, eventually. You know, it started with my friends as, a, as kind of a fun activity that we would do together. No, I didn't see any problem with it. I grew up around it. I saw it as a kid and to me, it was always um, portrayed as something that was commonplace. And so I didn't recognize the dangers of it. And so as I, as I got into my early thirties and, and eventually got married to Erica, you know, when we were, um, you know, in 2000, 2006, that was around the time where it started to really. It started to get to a point where I started making really bad decisions, and hiding things, and lying to my wife to try and cover up my gambling and all of the, all of the stuff on the periphery. Right, I, I always looked at my gambling as kind of the core of an onion, but there were all these different layers to it, and it was the lies and the deceit and the deception, and the hiding of. And, and so basically, what happened over the course of the first. Um, nine years of our marriage was a slow building and a slow progression of the lies and the and the and the and the deception. And I was working for myself as a contractor during that period of time, and so I was accepting large sums of money from people. And instead of using that money for what it was, for the rightful purpose of doing the job, I was using that to cover up gambling debts and to gamble with. And you can kind of see where that leads, right? You can see the the path that that's taking me on. And it's, you know, I I would create this, this web of, of, you know, dozens and dozens of people that I owed money to. And instead of paying them back, I would borrow money from somebody else and pay them a little bit. And then I would use the rest of the money to gamble. And so it creates this vicious cycle that I got into and eventually Uh, back in 2015, we reached a point where my family discovered what was really going on. There were a lot of red flags, as we talked about last time, that nobody could really pinpoint. You know, it was hard. Erica didn't really know what was going on. She just knew there were problems. And I'm sure she'll elaborate on that. But nobody could really pinpoint it. But they did. They finally figured it out in 2015 and and got involved. And um, as we talked about last time, arranged an intervention where where we all got together and there was an interventionist there who was kind of the the moderator, so to speak, you know, and that, after that, I ended up going off to treatment, inpatient treatment for a month. And then shortly thereafter, uh, ended up going to jail for four months um, as a result of the crimes I had committed to feed my addiction, you know, and so that was all, Uh, back in 2015 and so here we are you know six years later and it's um it's just been a slow gradual building process from from that point you know forward and you know where we're just each day building on our foundation and so you know that's kind of where we're at now and are you clean now would you say for sure yeah
0: right okay so so and 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 just to sort of recap on some of these bits for people that hadn't heard i mean the reason you went to jail is that you were defrauding people you were taking money to feed the gambling addict you were habit you were really in that cycle of just one more bet i'll win it all back it'll be fine sort of thing i'll put everything on the on the highest you know possible risk
2: gamble is that is was that right that's it. The mindset of a raging gambling addict, right? We're 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 not thinking about consequences. We're not thinking about what's what the ramifications of our decision today are going to be two weeks down the road. We're just gonna do what we have to do now to feed our addiction because what's gonna happen is I'm just gonna win all that money back. Some magically it's just gonna happen. That's the mind of the addict. I can convince myself of that. Yeah. And so, yes, that's what I was accepting money from people and on the you know on the understanding that that money was going towards a project that they had agreed to to have me do for them but when in fact it was it was going towards my gambling and so yeah that's when i that's how i ended up in jail i was i was um convicted of theft is what it was
0: yeah and 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 you're in the grip of gambling i mean people think it's well you just stop it's just a choice isn't it but it's it's sort of not is it
2: it's not a choice. And that, that's, that's the way I even, I even thought about it. You know, why am I doing this? Just stop doing it. You know, but the mind, is, the brain is a powerful instrument and in, in the, the mind of a raging addict, you're not thinking clearly, okay? You're not making rational decisions. And again, like I said a minute ago, you're not thinking about consequences. And it's easy for somebody who isn't in, isn't in that, um, doesn't understand it or isn't a, an addict or hasn't been around addiction, it's easier for them to take a step back and say hey just stop doing it
0: yeah
2: you know but it's 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 not that easy to the addict so and i mean you know on
0: the podcast remember you know we talked about people's perceptions of you and you know the degree to which you were you know a certain type of person and all that sort of stuff but you described this one person who stuck by you and you know, was the, was the rock that held, sort of held you down. And didn't you imagine a father or a father in law or something as well? And, and obviously, you know, the most important one who's sitting next to you today. So, you know, they're part of this, the story. So Erica, I mean, what's it like being married to an addict?
1: Um, well, it's very interesting. You know, I have learned a lot in these past six years. Um, you know, I, I had no idea that, it was an addiction that, that caused him to do all these horrible things um but no i have I, I i've learned a lot i really have and we've grown a lot um i think our you know our communication is better um we have worked really hard to gain a lot of trust back um And it's, you know, it's a, it's a daily, a a daily chore basically. And something that I wasn't willing to give up on um, when I learned about how sick he was and the fact that he Mm -hmm. wanted to get better. And I think that was the key point of um, the turning point for me is I couldn't throw in the towel knowing that it was. An addiction that was causing him to be so sick um and not just reckless behavior
0: yeah so often when i talk to couples the one the partner who's not the addict often carries guilt with them or some shame or something along the lines did you did you have to deal with those sorts of things yes um
1: yes and it's only been up until very recently that i've had i've learned to let a lot of that go um I did a lot of what ifs. What if I asked more questions? What if I investigated more? What if um, what if I didn't believe him when he would tell me these stories? Um, you know, yeah, I, I, I dealt with a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, um, a lot of embarrassment. Yeah. You know, I prided myself on being a very independent woman and you know i was in charge of my finances you know up until i got married and somehow i just i i let that go and so um it took me it, it's taken me a long time to kind of kind of let let that go yeah. so, okay
0: so obviously you met this man back in the day and there was something about him that drew you to him because that's how couples get together yeah. there was you know the, the the cheeky grin the the uh, luxuriant hairstyle yeah. who, who knows uh, <laughs> um no suspicions then when you first met none at all
1: none we had a lot in common we both loved sports we both loved being outside we both loved you know the same things um no suspicions whatsoever there was no no clues no red flags none
0: and, it, and it's a tricky one this isn't it because you don't think, you don't look, you don't think to look, do you, in a funny sort of way? Because how, right. why, why would this even appear in your head? But looking back on it now, do you think there was anything then? I mean, did he have a bit of an addictive personality even in those days, even not for gambling, as it were? Mm-hmm.
1: There, there were definitely a lot of um, red flags looking back on it now. And hindsight's 2020. I wanted to believe him. I wanted to trust him. Yeah. I had no reason not to. And so I think that, and I think that's where a lot of the, the guilt and shame comes in is I felt duped. I felt he did this to me, you know, and to our family and to the people that I love and care about. And I mean it i yeah there was a lot of anger in the very beginning a lot of anger um but yeah it it just there was there was there was red flags and that's where i think that i i missed i missed them
0: so what sure. what, what would be the re- so if, if you were if you were talking to another wife who was yeah saying my husband's just a bit you no know, not himself yeah. at the moment what, what would be the things you would What would be the things you'd look out for if you were listening to someone else talking about it?
1: You know, there were there were times where I would go to the grocery store and use my debit card and it wouldn't work. There were times where and I would always I would call him and he would always I mean, that's what addicts do. They have their master manipulators and he would have a great story and I believed him and it would always be fixed. Um, and so then there was a lull and then something else would happen. Right. Um, and that's where I think a lot of the, the if I would have pushed harder, if I would have asked more questions, if I would have basically demanded, you know, better answers or proof of stuff, um, I, I back then I, I thought I could have fixed him. You know, mm-hmm. that was my mentality back then. But in retrospect, that that is definitely wasn't no. the case.
0: No, he would have yeah. just been got better at lying, wouldn't he? Let's be Absolutely. honest. You can't Absolutely. you can't beat this in no. that normal way. And I'm no. you know, I'm sure that in get letting go of your part of this, because none of this is your part at all. But letting go of that's really important because I, lo- I think a lot of people have come through this—that's the hardest bit, isn't it? So, so when he came out to you, well, let me rephrase that. When when he when he talked about the fact, you know, he when he came clean about the whole thing, what was that like? I mean, did suddenly things fall into place? Oh my God, that explains that that that. No, really?
1: you know, he he never came clean to me. That's ah. the, that's the thing. Is he? he had sent an email to um, another family member and um, we were living with my parents at the time, looking back because we had no place to go because of his gambling addiction. And um, he had reached out to this family member and then they had reached out to my family and we were on a trip at that point and when we got back from the trip, I got a phone call um, from my dad saying, you need to come home, we need to talk to you. And, um, and it just all unraveled from there. I just, I I was sitting at the kitchen table and he looked at, my dad looked at me and said, you know, we found out that Patrick has a, a really severe gambling addiction and we don't know how bad it is. Um, but we're leaving right now and we're going to meet with an interventionist. And I, I had no, no control over anything. I was basically just put in the car and we were off. Yeah.
0: And so actually this is worse because he, you'd found out about it through a third party then through your dad. Yeah. 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 So, so where do you find your strength to come back from all this then? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, my strength, honestly, our son was five at the, at the time that this all happened. He's now 12. Um, my strength through the initial, uh, just the initial, uh, magnitude of it all. Um, I got my strength from him. I got my strength from my family and my closest friends, um, And therapy, I jumped right into therapy. I jumped right into going to Gammon on meetings. Um, I needed to know why this was happening. I needed to know, I needed to get the answers and I needed to figure out, you know, one, what part did I play? Two, you know, what what this was about. I mean, I, you know, you hear about drug addiction and um, alcohol addiction. I didn't know anything about a gambling addiction. I mean, I knew that it existed, but that was the last thing that I that I suspected.
0: Yeah, it's it's almost a, it is almost like a middle class crime, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. because it's you know it's very and it's just sort of sort of re- respectable in a funny sort of way. Mm-hmm. And and when you're walking down the street, you wouldn't notice it. Whereas someone who's slammed would you know they're drunk, aren't they? Okay, so so um, so so in the UK we don't have interventions. It's, it's not a British thing at all. So, so talk me through how an intervention worked and you know, what was your part in it? Uh, if I, you can remember.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can remember. I actually played a very small part, to be honest with you. Um, this was all put in place without my knowing. Um, my, uh, my parents and my sister, and I believe Pat's sister and brother-in-law um, all played a huge part in putting that together. Um, my, I think my dad was the one that found, um, the interventionist and did the research. And I mean, it was put together within 24 hours from my understanding. Um, and it's, I don't know if you've ever seen it on TV, but it is exactly how it is on TV. I mean, the family meets with the interventionist the day prior to when you're going to do the intervention. And, um, the inform- there was a lot of information back and forth. And to be honest with you, I don't remember what was talked about. I don't remember, um, I-, I remember vague points of sitting through that. Um, I was in complete shock yeah. and um, it-, it was very, very emotional. Um, but she basically explained um, addiction, uh, what it does to the body, what it does to the brain. And um, told us how the next day was going to play out. And we each had to write a letter to Pat and um, basically saying, you're going to go or if you don't choose this lifeline to, so to speak, then there's no place for you here. And. um, Yeah,
0: so it's like a so it's like a massive ultimatum.
1: Pretty much, yeah. And I, I did not talk to him. I, I could not contact him that full that entire day. He left for, I quote unquote, work the, that morning, um, and uh, I did not have contact with him until later that afternoon. And by that point, he knew something was going on. Um, yeah. He fi- he had kind of figured it out.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Pat for you it must have been a massive punch in the guts and and, in a sense when you sort of walk in and and find this or actually was it a bit of a relief that suddenly it was all out in the open
2: yeah i mean there was definitely a sense of relief after the first punch in the gut you you, Mm. you summed it up well you know you walk into a room you're not expecting to see your entire family sitting there um but as soon as i walked through that door it hit me and i realized what was about to happen and as i mentioned last time we talked i didn't I was, I it was a sense of relief um, because I knew that we were coming to a head here one way or the other. It was either I was going to end my life or end up in jail first or somebody would intervene, which fortunately it was my family that did and, and sent me to treatment. And that's what happened. And I was, I was ready for it.
0: Yeah. And, and for you, I just can't imagine how you're in this, because you must've been like, Wading through treacle because you're sitting there and it's all happening around you i mean it's a remarkable family that would actually take this much time and trouble i mean you, you the, it's I must i mean patrick you're incredibly lucky to have that group of people around you, but Erica, you know tell me about this group of people
1: ever forever indebted i mean yeah. um it was very surreal i yeah, I, I, I it was very surreal and for, it was um, remarkable how everyone came together um, and there were, I mean, there was anger, there was, um, you know, but it, they, they put that aside for the moment and really focused on, we've got to, we've got to get this right, we've got to fix this. And he's, he's obviously very sick and we've got to intervene now. And um, without knowing the full extent, um, of the addiction and the, the debts and all of the criminal activity. Um, it was basically, let's get this figured out first, get him on an airplane, get him into treatment. And then, and then it got real and then it got really, really bad. Yeah. So,
0: so this is the point where the truth starts to come out and you discover what you've been up to. So what was that like? Cause I'm glad I'm guessing, you know, you're a mom, you've been in you know, independent woman. You've you had your own life. You're yeah. clearly erudite and intelligent. I mean, it, you know, and then it you're seeing true. what's this going on in your partner. I mean, this is someone who you slept next to and had in your house, and we had meals together. I mean, this must have been. I mean, you say a punch, and they got to pack, but I mean, for goodness' sake, this must have been an unending series of mm-hmm. slaps. I mean, what was what was what's this like? It must be horrific.
1: It was it was absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Um, it, I went from being scared um, for a lot of reasons, because I didn't know the extent of the criminal activity. Um, and I don't I don't know if he's, he mentioned this last time, but he used my name and my social security number for a lot of um, check fraud and a lot of loan fraud. And um, so I, I didn't know the extent that my name and credit had been damaged. Mm. Um, I, I was terrified I was I, and I was angry, I was hurt. I was a lot of emotions. I was a lot of emotions. <laughs> yeah and I had to take care of a five-year-old at the yeah. time. so um,
0: and then in you a funny know, sort of way he gets to go away and be fixed and then in a funny sort of way, all right, jail is not great but he gets to go away in a funny sort of way, but you're sort of left dealing with the the mess. so what? Uh, so what what's going on there?
1: Well, the mess was massive. Let's just say um, it took it took weeks to uncover um, the mess. It took um, you know, we had we each had different roles. Um, I'm gonna just lay it out for you. We each had different roles. My mom, my mom's role was basically taking care of my five year old. He was in kindergarten at the time. Um, I was in no shape to take care of a child. Um, And so she kind of took that role over getting him to school and and whatnot Um, and then my dad and basically just took charge of unraveling the mess and basically would say this is what we're going to do. these are the phone calls we made every day. Um, I had to hire three different lawyers to protect myself. I had to hire a financial lawyer, a divorce lawyer, and a um, criminal lawyer. Um, I had I, the the I had to call all of the, the back bills that you know car um, car payment places. I had to, it was just it was a massive amount of of yeah. work. Yeah.
0: How, how, how on earth do you forgive him? <laughs> oh, that's, well, you and know, We're not in therapy here, so you no, can, you, we're can not. you can skip no. that. You can skip that question no. and
1: no, it, stop
0: hitting them as well, but that'll help
1: <laughs> <laughs> there. It is taken. It has taken me a very, very long time. Um, and like I said, through, lots of counseling and gammon on meetings and just educating myself. Um, I learned to separate the two. I learned to separate, um, the person from the addiction. Right. And I had to realize that the person that I married, Pat himself is not the person that did those horrible things. An addiction and a sickness caused him to do those horrible things. Um, but it took me a long time um, to kind of work through all of that. I, there, were, there were days and there were times where I I was like, I, I, I can't do, I'm done, I'm done. I, there was so much anger and so much hurt um, that I just, this is, oh, I just said, this is too hard. I'm not doing this. Yeah. And so, um, yeah.
0: And how, it, and how do you live your life now? I mean, are you, do you have, do you have to be a bit more? vigilant about what's going on
1: you know in the very beginning yes for the first couple years i was very vigilant and um we still to the point where it was almost a paranoia on my part um but the more that he did the work in recovery the more that he showed that he was on the right path um we and the more that we kind of worked through um our communication style um we worked out a we we just have a very open open line of communication now and um, I am in I'm in charge of all of our finances um, uh, I there's certain we have certain things in place that I would know immediately if something was awry um, and the way that the path that he's on right on now um, there's too much at risk. For him to backslide um and he's doing too many good things in his recovery um that he I, he wouldn't he wouldn't give that up
0: no uh, so so Pat, it's interesting because you look at you listen to that and i'm most minded of the the very famous tiger woods confession on television when he sat there and handed everything over as it were and in a sense you're doing that aren't you you've had to you've had to lose a lot of what makes traditional men traditional men in a way so 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 how's that how's that dynamic now because I mean in a sense that you're I mean are you always in the doghouse do you think
2: you know I think <clears throat> I think for the first few years I did feel that way you know for sure the first two or three years and I understood it to a point and, and that- maybe rightly so of course Right. Absolutely. absolutely, Rightly so. And I, like I say, I did understand it to a point, but there were times where I would get frustrated and say, why are you questioning me on every single thing I do? You know, I'm just going to work. I'm just, you know, I'm doing what I say I'm going to do. But then she would, Erica would almost look at me with, with disbelief. Like, are you, is that a serious question? You know, and I would have to take a step back and, and realize where we were and what I did. And the fact that I still have a chance to, to regain her trust is enough. And so I, you know, we're at a point now where I, I don't feel like she's she's looking over, looking around the corner at me every time I I, I take a step. You know, I, I there's there's trust built there. And as she as Erica mentioned, there's so much transparency with our in our life now, with the people I work with, the people I, I associate with, when she knows everybody, she, we're all in communication, everybody pretty much knows everything and so um i think um now i don't i don't feel like i'm in the doghouse every day
0: (laughs) yeah and because because of course that that builds builds in trouble for the relationship itself if if that inequality can sit there Mm erica a few times you mentioned gamma non I, i guess that's gambling anonymous something like that is it
1: It is Gambling Anonymous. It is for families, um, family or loved ones with um, a family member that's a gambling addict,
0: yes. And and by the sounds of it, you found going to an organization like that had some value for you, did it?
1: Definitely. Um, I needed to know that I wasn't the only one going through this. Um, And, you know, you listen to other family members uh, of different people sharing their stories and you're like okay, I'm not alone. I can relate to these people. We're all, you know, we're all going through the same thing. Um, and yeah, I found, I found that very helpful. And yeah, and then a, also a therapist that specializes in addiction um, was extremely helpful for me.
0: Right. So you, so you had to get, it sounds like you had to pull a team around you. So initially your dad did that piece, but then moving forward, you pulled this team around, you. you've got the Gambling Anonymous, you've got Your own therapy, Patrick. I'm guessing you had your own therapy as well. Um, I did. Yeah. So, so you've actually constructed a a proper sort of package of events. How how is how is your child? How how, is it? He did you say?
1: Yeah. He's he's twelve now. How's he come Um, through? He is amazing. He is absolutely amazing. Um, He was very young to kind of understand what was happening. Um, He knew that. Um, his dad was away um, for a long for a while Um, and we talked about that daddy was sick and he needed to go get help Um, and we kind of left it at that he didn't ask a lot of questions I think he because he was too young to kind of understand Um, but it was it it was heartbreaking at times because you could see that um you know he missed him and he didn't understand why he was there one one day and why the next day he's gone for a large amount of
0: time yeah so I mean amazing really if there's one thing if there's one bit of advice Erica you could package up and just say to people who either or have have come through this or approaching it or suspecting what what might it be from the from the point of the the partner of the person who's the the gambler i I,
1: the biggest advice i would say is educate yourself um don't give up um and surround yourself with people that love you and support you and no judgment basically um if it wasn't for the support system i had around me my family number one and my close friends i would not be where i was where i am today there'd be no
0: way i don't think the two of you would be in that place either would you no
1: we would not no
0: and and again just from the point of the view of the the gambler pat um what's the one bit of advice that you give people who are who are locked because you're caught you remember i remember talking about me sort of sort of the rat in the trap or the spider caught in the net you know what's what's that what can you say to someone who's who's in that gambling frenzy
2: yeah well the first and foremost you know addiction ruins families and so as we just as erica just talked about and you mentioned russell to have a support system around you is a huge deal and we're we're very fortunate to have that so the one thing i would say to the addict you know, like you said, yeah, we get caught in this cycle and we find it's really difficult to find a way out of that. But you have to tell somebody, you have to tell a friend, you have to tell a family member, you have to tell a, a coworker, you have to tell somebody that you're struggling with whatever it is, because what's happening is there's there's a disease going on inside of your brain and it's progressing. It's not going to just go away on its own. And so you need to seek help. You need to let somebody know, hey, I'm struggling with this. I can't get a handle on it, and I'm starting to do things that are way out of character and way out of bounds. I need help, yeah. and so it's a hard thing for the addict to, to recognize. You know, there's a lot of denial, um, but and if you don't want to tell somebody, you're you're afraid to tell somebody close to you. Call call a number, call a uh, NA or GA or AA, or call somebody that is a, maybe even a complete stranger. You need to talk about it, and so as long as we talk about it it's gonna help and, and you know, put us on a better path and hopefully a path to, to better health and recovery.
0: Brilliant. Thank, well, what a remarkable story. Um. Pat, you were great, but Erica, you were fantastic, and I don't know how you've done it. <laughs> I think there'll be a queue of guys all auditioning to have you as their next wife, because actually oh, you must okay. be the most calm, <laughs> understanding person. I'm sure I, I'm sure in the real world, Patrick, that the halo slips from time to time, but, you know. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending time to us again. That's a fascinating insight into, into things. Amazing. Thank,
1: Thank
0: you. you so much, Russell. Thanks, Russell. Appreciate it. Now you take care. Thank you. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed. And if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcasts for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools, and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.